We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 286. Our guest today is a multidisciplined competitor, and she specializes in natural horsemanship, police horse training, positive reinforcement, and rescue transformations. Her passion lies in transforming rescued horses to be police horses as ambassadors of the ultimate rescue transformation. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Mary Elena Moran. Hello, hello. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to to talk to you today. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Well, I'm excited to talk rescue transformations, but tell me first how you started initially in the equestrian industry. I was uh, your typical animal crazy kid, and I think it was a lot of because I felt like animals accepted me for, for who I was. I felt always a little bit weird, and I asked my parents every day, literally, um, if I could you know, go to a farm and ride and take lessons and everything and they said you know we really can't afford that we're we don't you know it's not you already do enough other activities and and so they were I think they waited me out on it to see how serious I was Mm -hmm. and so the only access that I could get to horses on my own was um I saw an opportunity to be a sidewalker at a therapeutic riding school and and you didn't need any horse experience they wanted to train you and and so I was able to take the bus from school um, in, in the afternoons to the therapeutic riding school and to be a sidewalker. And that was actually my first introduction to horses. Um, wow. And I, I learned the care there, but I witnessed firsthand the magic of horses and the healing capacity. Um, when I saw kids that I went to school with on the day to day that either were in wheelchairs or they were blind or they had other issues. And then they could do something that I couldn't even do. And they, the horse gave them legs and eyes and it was mm-hmm. really a magical introduction. And, um, I was really blessed to have that first opportunity with horses in that way. And I think it full circle did shape a lot of my path, but my parents realized that, you know, this is something I was not going to stop requesting and <laughs> they did take me for lessons. And I did the the whole normal route of, you know, kind of working off lessons and then working off leases and, you know, and then working a million jobs so that I could show and, and lease a horse and all that stuff. And then they, I had primarily uh, learned to ride at a place that was a sail barn, which initially was really hard for me. Uh, I would get really attached and the horses would come and go, but Mm -hmm. it really right away kind of set out the intention of really having to just be adjustable and adaptable and meet every horse where they were at with where, you know, where they were at and help them kind of, you know, help them go from there and fill in, fill in foundations and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it actually benefited me really in the long run once I kind of got used to that. But I then became a horse trainer at a farm in New Jersey that mostly focused on Arabians and half Arabians. And from there, I kind of developed a special 
specialization in problem horses and behavioral issues. And then, um, you know, I went to, to college, I went to grad school, but all the while continued competing and showing or competing and training and helping people with their horses, teaching riding lessons. And then, uh, you know, so that's something I've always done throughout, you know, my career and throughout my education, but I always wanted to do something outside of the horse world and keep that as something that was sacred and special so that, you know, I wouldn't get burned out and I could afford to give my horse the things that he needed and the, the vet care that he needed and to keep him at a nice place and everything like that. And then just to maintain that as my passion and sort of a, I would say it's almost like working two jobs, but, uh, you know, it always keeps it fresh and exciting for me coming from doing something very different all the time. Right. Well, you have many passions in the equestrian world. I know one of them and one of your notable ones is your involvement with the mounted police. So how did you get involved with the mounted police? What is kind of your role with them? So I became a trooper uh, in uh, the state of New York in 2008. And so that's something that I had wanted to do for years. Um, early on, I was really interested in animal cruelty investigation and kind of explored the path of like, how do I become that? How do I help in that way? And so it led me down um, the path of law enforcement. And so when I became a trooper, I decided you know, how, well, we don't have a mounted unit. Like, how can I bring my love of horses to, you know, to my job so that I can kind of not only use the horses in a ceremonial way, which is really special um, when you have a funeral or a Memorial Day ceremony to bring horses in that way to those uh, events, but to be able to connect with the public with a horse is something that I thought would be the ultimate community outreach tool to show the love, to spread kindness, to teach different messages with the horse. So I pretty much asked every supervisor that I had for several years, if this is something that we could do. And people said, they all kind of said, well, we haven't had that in about 30 years. So the likelihood of that kind of coming back together is really slim. And, and so I, I wasn't about to give up. And I asked almost, I would say a few times a month, I asked every person that I newly encountered yeah. what, you know, how can we get this together? What's the likelihood of this happening? You know, what can I do? And I had somebody who believed in it and believed in me. And they said that they would support me going to the uh, mounted police school, but I did have to do that on my own time for the most part. So for every because it was not an established program. And it's something that I really wanted to do is to get certified. It's, it's like a accreditation agency called DCJS, Department of Criminal Justice Services, and they have a standard in mounted policing. And so in order to get that certification, you had to go to an eight-week school. And so every day off for several months, I went down to the school and I got the certification and then was able to um, use my own horse in events. Now, from, from that point on, I decided, well, I need to make this a bigger program. Mm -hmm. I, need to, um, I need to grow the ability of being able to go to more functions and more opportunities to engage with the public and more ceremonies. And, you know, how do I continue to expand this? And so a few years later, I was able to 
um, with the help of a lot of other wonderful people who believed in me and believed in, in the idea, we were able to put together a mounted unit. And so at that point, we had 18 people across the state doing wow. the same thing, which was really amazing. And um, at, the, at this point now, we have eight due to retirements and everything, but we do use our own horses. So I think that does bring something really special to it as well, because everyone's horses come from uh, their sport or what they do with that horse, with their family. So it's yeah. a family, it could be a family horse um, and the kids do a little barrel racing with it, or it could be a jumper. It could be a dressage horse. It could be somebody that loves to go hunter pacing with their horse or do Western events. And they all come from different places, but then they went through a mounted police school and they were approved and they're out there engaging with the public. And um, so they all have their own kind of story um, but at the time that we were able to put all that together, I did become a mounted police instructor. And then that kind of took a life of its own as well in being able to share my background of horsemanship to the mounted police world, because most mounted police officers were cops first, not horsemen first. And so they're doing the absolute best they can with this tool that they have um, the horse. And so it's, they receive a really incredible amount of training, but they can also really benefit from some of our horsemanship techniques and, and mindsets that work so well in partnership building and really understanding full access to the horse and their athleticism and, and everything. So I love to teach mounted police agencies from all over the East coast, mostly you know, what I know about horse training and that's like classical and handwork, right? Because creating a neutral posture and relaxation is really important for horses to, to be able to do all the time. Um, understanding like passive leadership and how that makes the horse feel safe and more relaxed, you know, in all environments and um, being able to understand how to move all of their legs independently and, you know, access the horse's whole body kind of in hand back and forward and sideways and shoulders and haunches and kind of understanding horse psychology and really that their primary need is to feel safe and then comfort after that. And so everything that the horse is going to always respond from a place of wanting safety or feeling a lack of safety. And, and so then our response to what they're doing would be rooted in helping them feel safe in that environment um, with more understanding and compassion than the opposite would be labeling the behavior as well. The horse is just trying to give me a hard time, which, you know, it's not realistic um, given their lack of developed frontal lobe. So a horse really can't just try to pull one over on you, but we label these behaviors as like kind of a, a human behavior, but really understanding the psychology of where it comes from and what kind of need that they, they have in that time really helps us determine a suitable prescription to what's going on. What, what it looks like when they feel, when they are relaxed um, and what it looks like when they are showing signs of stress and they might be really subtle, like eye wrinkles and nose wrinkles or lack of blinking um, or a change in posture and things like that. And so all of those things are really important 
um, in the mounted police training process to understand, because if you miss signs of stress or anxiety and tension, and you continue to train over that, what you're doing is essentially shutting the horse down. And that's something that we want to avoid. And so I think just kind of that background of information is, is really important. And, you know, teaching how, how horses learn and how to create that motivation to learn in a way that the horse is really relaxed, but still able to metabolize kind of what's going on, um, in a, in a stressful environment and like have be able to regulate their own nervous system, ideally in those environments, because they're always going to feel stress, but then can they come back from that, you know, kind of like creating that, that muscle. It's almost like building a muscle. Like if the horse is going to have stimuli that causes them some stress, but then mm -hmm. are, are, have we provided them a skill set to say, okay, I'm feeling a little stressed now, but I know how to find relaxation. I'm feeling empowered in that way that I've been given the tools um, to find relaxation through, through those challenges. And so that's my passion is really trying to help the horse learn how to regulate their nervous system. And I love sharing all those things with the mounted police world so that I can help the, the partnerships improve. Um, the horses have a really great quality of life and the uh, officers to have like a, a lot of success and harmony in the relationship with the animal. So that's something I've started to do in the last couple of years. And I'm hoping to kind of make it, you know, after retirement, really go around and teach mounted agencies um, a lot of the horsemanship techniques that I think they could benefit from and just as a compliment to what they're already doing. I don't know about you, but whenever a horse friend or barn mate or trainer's birthday rolls around, I always struggle to think of the perfect gift. I always want something that really exemplifies the equestrian lifestyle. And recently I started ordering gifts and yes, some pieces for myself because the stuff is so cute, from Horse Scout Design. Horse Scout Design is the home of equestrian lifestyle gifts and homewares online. At Horse Scout Design, you can find products with super unique design prints by talented artists and photographers, or you can honestly personalize your own pieces through a photo of your horse or a design that you want to create for yourself, family, and any horse or animal lover in your life. I have so many cool blankets and throws. Um, I have a dog bed. There are so many options at Horse Scout Design that you can really personalize and really make a normal everyday homeware piece have the equestrian lifestyle vibe that you are going for. So for more information, visit their website at horsescoutdesign.com. I feel like another passion of yours is transforming rescue horses into police horses. So like what inspired you to start that process? Um, because obviously there are a lot of moving parts and a lot of training necessary for police horses in general that maybe came from a non-rescue program. So what made you yeah. kind of decide to start looking into rescue horses for police horses? And what does that training program kind of look like? I've always been interested in horse rescue and animal rescue in general. And once I had the first horse that I used in police work, I purchased 
a horse that I thought would be able to do the job. And she was wonderful. And she gave me a lot of confidence that I could, that I understood the training, uh, everything that was entailed in building a, a confident police horse. And then having those positive experiences with her where she built my confidence, like she was kind of the schoolmaster, you know, and I, I learned, I learned what I needed to create. And from there, um, a horse came into my life, a friend of, I'm on the board of a rescue and I had gone to visit, um, a few horses that had just come in from, they were in the kill pen in new Holland. And this one specifically was tied up waiting to get loaded onto a truck. And, and an old woman had said to the, uh, driver of the truck, you know, can I just give you a hundred dollars more than you paid for this horse? I really like him. And so she, that horse, his name is Kirby. He came to my friend's rescue with a few others and I went out there and I looked at him and he was, he had been pulling a buggy in Amish country, um, had never been ridden. And he was really scared, scared of me, scared of being touched, scared of kind of sudden movements, everything. And he had um, a lot going on physically. He had fallen down with the carriage and everything, a buggy and, and had some, some traumas. And I looked at him and I, I said, you've been thrown away. You've been let down physically and mentally experienced a lot. And the whole opposite of that would be to create an animal that has such a solid foundation of trust and well-being, um, mental and physical health and resilience. And I am going to right all those wrongs for you. And we're going to do this. And I, and I, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to create a program called from kill pen to cavalry. And I'm going to do my best to train this horse to be a police horse. And so I did, and it, I had rescued or adopted him in August. And in November, he graduated the mounted police school. And I, I, through that process, I learned a lot and I, I learned and I've replicated the process many times since then. And I learned that when I start with that enormous gap of where I am or where this horse is and what I hope for them, I, I learned to fill in all of the holes and write all the wrongs and create the foundation that you, you have to, you have to have confidence. You have to, there can't be holes when you're doing that job. And so it set this ultimate challenge in this enormous gap of, of for where, from where I am to where I wanted to be that I got, I became so engaged in the process of rehabilitation that it just sent me down this whole path of adventure and yeah. And it, it basically changed my life. And, and I'm not saying every horse or especially re every rescue horse can end up being a police horse, but I, for me having the intention of, I have this enormous goal. And I'm going to do my best to, to really see what this horse knows and really help them through all their traumas to where they can regulate their own nervous system and be relaxed in many different environments with different sight, sound, touch, sensory, and have really worked out all of their physical issues to where that they can be really comfortable in their body. Um, if I can do that, they may not become a police horse, but they can be really good at something else. 
and they can be adopted and they can have a wonderful home with somebody who wants to go trail riding and use all those mounted police skills that I, you know, I intend, I put on into that horse. They can use it for something else and be really successful. Um, because not all of these rescued horses can physically stand on hard surfaces with maybe some issues with their hooves or their back and old tendon ligament injuries and things like that. But the training and the, the filling in of the foundation creates almost like a clean slate um, for that animal. And then they're able to be successful and have a wonderful life after that. So Kirby did have a very short lived mounted police career. He was, a, he was just not physically as with it, the quality of his feet with what he had been through. I, I didn't think it was in his best interest to be walking on hard surfaces, mm-hmm. um, all the time. And I did adopt him out to an absolutely wonderful home and they love him dearly. And that was the best thing for him, but he really created a, a spark in me that has only just grown since then. And so I think that police horses are the superheroes of the rest of superheroes of the horse world. You know, they kind of go towards things that a horse naturally would say, that's concerning. I'm going to go the other way. And they're like, nope, I'm, you know, I have this, I have uh, trust. I have this partnership. I've, I've been trained in, you know, to kind of go through so many different things and had success in doing so. And I'm going towards that danger um, or going towards that loud sight sound um, sensory and, and whatnot. And so I think they're superheroes. And so I, every horse that I had, that I had that intention with presented new challenges to where I thought, wow, this horse is so shut down. I've never seen this shut down before. Mm -hmm. I've never seen nobody's home said Eeyore. How do I bring this horse to the fullness of life? Like mentally and physically or the opposite. I have this horse that is so living on adrenaline scared. I've never seen this level of fear and anxiety before. How do I, how do I find homeostasis here? You know, every single one has been a teacher for me because I've had such an enormous goal always though in mind, like relinquishing my attachment to that outcome. I, I set this intention, but at the same time, I always do what's best for the horse. And, but I have never given up on trying to really right the wrongs. I guess that would be the best way to put it. You use your training methodology methodologies, which I feel like are like of kindness and trust, um, building and helping really kind of like teach that message then through kind of anti-bullying. How did you come up with that concept or kind of link the two? And how do you create the bridge between you know, kindness and building trust with horses than to kids in school and that anti-bullying message. How I relate building trust is being a good friend. Um, and so I think about my relationship with horses as we have this relationship bank and I'm either making withdrawals or I'm making deposits. And with any good trusted friend putting money in the bank, you can then withdraw that and say, I have a little harder question to ask you, right? But I've put a lot of time into putting money in that bank. And so for the horses, how I put money in that bank really is doing a lot of uh, connection-based 
work. I come to them with this intention of I'm here to help you feel better. And a lot of time that I spend with these horses initially is just doing things like bringing something of value to them and not asking anything at all. So and that's like physical rehabilitation. You know, I, I come to them, let's do some surefoot pads. Let's do a beam recession. Let's, um, I have a gua sha tool called the Phoenix. It's really, it's pretty neat. It's red light massage and gua sha, these three fingers that you can use to massage the horse. And I'll just give them a massage session or I'll match steps with them. I'll just take them up to the arena and I'll match steps with them or I'll hand graze them. And then I'll just put them away. And I just show them that life is different, very consistently that I am somebody who's going to be consistently trustworthy and fair. And that I always try to evaluate where they're at kind of on the energy scale. Like, what am I looking at? Are they having a hard time finding relaxation right now? Or are they okay? You know, and if they are, they, if they are having a hard time, can I help them find their way to relaxation so that I'm always the producing, I'm always the one that's helping them feel better. Not the, not, I'm not adding to the list of things that they're scared of. I'm not putting my name at the top of that, you know? And so in terms of the anti-bullying message, being able to believe in something, believe in this horse, believe in another person, being somebody who's consistently trustworthy and that just spends time with someone um, and understands that all we, we all just want to feel safe and accepted um, and have a cheerleader. That's, that's very powerful. I think back to when I was a kid and I never felt truly accepted. I always thought I, I felt like weird. You know, I had a little bit of a hard time, I think with friends and things like that. And I think back to times when somebody said, Oh, you did a really good job with that. Or wow, you know, you, you did, you you were excellent at the violin today or something. And I think about how powerful that time that somebody said that the 10 seconds that it took for them to say something positive and encouraging. You remember it to this day. So yeah. 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 I had a music teacher that told me, Oh, you're so good at the violin. And I know that I was not. I know that I wasn't, but because she said that to me, I remember where I was standing. Mm-hmm. I remember how amazing it felt to have somebody believe in me. And I, and I know I probably really stunk, but because she said that I tried so hard because I felt really good about myself yeah. and I became really good. And like, we often don't realize the power of our words and the power of believing in somebody. And, and so I am writing um, kind of a book about and not even anywhere near finished, but it's about the rehabilitation of rescued horses and what we learn in the process and what, you know, the, what they teach us in the process of never giving up on them and really just staying the course because we always have that choice. Well, you know, this horse is having a hard time. Like maybe this isn't for me. Maybe somebody else could deal with this and I'll move them on. But if you can stay the course, they will give you the largest gift ever of knowledge and their heart. And people are the same way. We often give up on people because they are um, discount them physically and mentally because maybe they're not worth our time or something. But if we realize the power of believing in them and it's the size of their heart that matters really, 
the, I think the capacity for that person to change their life from that positivity and from your belief in them is really, really special. And it, it was very impactful in my own life, my own childhood. And I try to be that person to other people. And I try to be that person to the horses. Um, I always, I, I try to, I would never be a good cheerleader because I would go the opposite direction. Everybody else was doing the dance. <laughs> I can never remember any routines like that, but I am a good a cheerleader, a good cheerleader for the horses. Um, and I think if you are always saying like, I believe in you keep trying good job, you know, and you notice everything that they do right, instead of noticing what they do wrong, mm -hmm. that's where the real power lies because they're like, they get proud of themselves and they want to try hard. And that's the same thing with people. And so when I would tell people about these horses stories, because everyone wants to know, Oh, like you just rescued this horse and I put a photo up and it looked awful. And it's like, wounds and cuts and it looks so sad like mm -hmm. sad eeyore and they they're like well how are you what are you doing how are you doing it and they say wow that's what that's how we should treat people and i'm like you're right and i remember those things and i share them you know when i'm in public and i i feel like i have this enormous privilege to be able to sit on a horse that was rescued once from going to slaughter or rescued from a, a poor situation and I sit on their back and I connect with people in kindness and love. And I tell them the horse's story of overcoming adversity. And, and, it, and it does show the power of believing in, in the animal. It shows the power of rescue that sometimes people think, well, like a, a rescued horse might be too far damaged to be able to become a show horse or right. to be able to become something of value. But I want to prove them wrong. I'm not saying it, every horse can become a police horse. It's, it's a very unique and challenging profession for a horse, but I, the horses that I'm, that I am using in this, in this way, they have an enormous heart and they have their lumps and their bumps and their allergies and their things and, and whatnot, but their hearts are enormous and they give their heart to me every, every moment that I'm doing that. And I'm so thankful to them that I'm able to have such positive interactions with the community in that way and meet people who I would have never, who would have never come up to the horse before, right? Because either they would never have come up to me in uniform because maybe they, they're shy or I have nothing interesting. You know, who is that person over there? Just, they probably have nothing interesting to say, but because I'm sitting on this horse, they're like, Oh, um, hi, can I uh, pet your horse? And I'm like, absolutely. Come on over here. Yeah. This is Madison. She's 12 years old. She's a Clydesdale. And they pet her. And now I have like a new friend mm -hmm. that I would not have had before. And I can share her story. And they're like, wow, she was rescued. I'm like, yes, she was. And this is her story. And, and then maybe they'll believe in rescuing after that. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe they'll, they'll, they will leave knowing that I care about their quality of life. And I care about them as a person. And that maybe that's the first time they've pet a horse before. Cause right. that happens all the time too. So I think also in that way, you're bringing so many people to a horse to have that interaction, to witness the magic themselves. And they maybe never would have pet a horse before. Right. Um, so I, I just think they're so magical and everything that I witness with them, they make me a better person. And I try to share those same lessons to people because the way that you believe in 
and an animal that needs somebody to believe in them. It's the same way that people and children need. Everyone really needs a cheerleader and they need, they need somebody to believe in them. And, um, and I think that their, their ability to believe in themselves and the capacity for them to elevate their existence is tremendous. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, what an incredible story. I think that that's so amazing what you've been able to accomplish and, I am so excited to continue to watch your journey. I love how you've combined, you know, really making horses lives better through giving them love and a purpose and health and a happy living environment and, you know, like a wonderful job because so many horses really thrive on having a job and something that they can be confident doing. And so I think that that's amazing. And then how you've been able to incorporate that into how, humans can treat humans better. And, you know, just that component of bullying and we can learn so much from horses. And so I'm just, I think it's so incredible that uh, you've been able to learn so much and incorporate that in your everyday life and then spread, you know, spread the knowledge and share the love and share it with others. So thank you so much, Mary Elena, for coming on and I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you. One thing I would love for people to kind of come away with, of course, the strong resonance of believing in someone um, is, is there. But I also think sometimes when we encounter problems with horses, a lot of times we have, instead of thinking about, wow, this is a really big challenge. um, If you just change the way you think about it as what does this have to teach me? It really just kind of changes the perception from being a problem to an opportunity Yeah. Yeah. And then we can continually grow to bring a better self to these horses like they deserve. Amazing. Yeah. Well said. Well, thank you again. And I'm excited to continue to watch your journey. Thank you so much. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.